Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 295 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... Gray, how are you doing? Uh, hello, Dave. I'm doing very well. Excellent. Very Excellent. <laughs> so what have you been up to the last few weeks? Uh, so the last few weeks I have started back at a new job. So it's been quite exhausting, but I've still managed to squeeze in a little bit of TV watching as well, a little bit on the weekends, a little bit on my commute. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very up to date with Line of Duty. Yes. So we're recording this a day after episode six. So we've got one episode left. Um, I've got to say the last three episodes have really tested my heart rate um, <laughs> properly yeah. up there intense really good um i'm loving you know i know you me and matt have had this debate over the last year or so like binge viewing versus event viewing you know yeah. on the night of the week and jed mercurio makes dramas for that event viewing and you you wait for that sunday and you get in and you you know it's a really good time to get in and you stay off twitter for that hour and yeah. i'm absolutely loving it and um great story writing i've got my own theories so far they're all everything i guess one episode doesn't seem to happen the next episode so maybe i'm a little bit wild in my guessing but i really really enjoying that he's he's done a stellar job i'm still worried for one of our main characters next week that's not really a spoiler but i've been worried since episode one yeah the 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 idea behind the the tagline lies cost lives for this season like oh steve's lying ted's lying kate's been lying yeah yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting to see where they end it because i mean with the way things have gone this season it it almost feels like they're about to like wrap it entirely yeah yeah. um i mean i don't think they've announced whether there's another season coming i i I mean if there isn't it would be jed's choice of ending it if that is the case but yeah i do wonder where they where they're going to wrap things up this season because of of how they've split things up and where they've gone with the various different characters and you know mm. and, and i think like you say there is very much a thought of whether they all get out of this season alive as well because i mean that seems to be a possibility as well this year so um yeah it's yeah. i'm i'm loving this season it's been, it's the first one that i've actually had to watch live of course because i've binged yeah because <laughs> i i binged through them over the past sort of 12 18 months so uh it's slightly infuriating having to wait for it but uh mm. yeah it's just brilliant absolutely yeah. superb bit of tv that fantastic and then, and then the polar opposite to that i've been trying to watch superstore because itv hub have that annoying only keep a program for seven yeah. days so uh not to fall from my mistake previously i'm now trying to watch that weekly to make sure and you know i know yeah. that's its final season i really love the first couple of episodes they brought amy back to sort of wrap her storyline and didn't make it awkward just to not have her there mm. um so it's great that america ferrara came back filmed a couple of episodes to wrap up what would have been the previous season's finales but obviously yeah. stopped due to corona and actually the way they're weaving like the pandemic into the storyline is one of the nicer ones and i know i've talked about this over the last couple of months it's quite funny the way they're talking about it and um it, it's it works even without her i think the rest of the characters the ensemble cast really come through without america Ferrera. and i'll be really sad to see it end at the end of the season but i think it's also right it, it, it's peaked it's 
had its sort of like a real good story arc. And uh, yeah, I'll be watching that um, religiously on ITV2 unless they decide to stop it midway for some reason and bring it back <laughs> to a different time. They can be quite frustrating, the ITV hub sometimes. Yeah, the previous seasons are on Netflix as well now. Yeah. So uh, if you do get like stuck behind or if you want to go and watch Superstore, uh, obviously the latest season will be a while before it gets onto Netflix, but the other seasons are all on Netflix as well. So you can go and catch up. Exactly. Uh, things I finished now, I know uh, it finished about four weeks ago, but I think the, the day I recorded, it was the night of the finale, but I finished Unforgotten on ITV. Yeah. And I just want to say what the most beautifully sad and heartbreaking final episode of that season. It was so good. Uh, Sanjeev Bhaskar and Nicola Walker, I just wish they were recognized more and get nominated for mm. BAFTA because their performances, alongside Anna Maxwell Martin's passive aggression in Line of Duty, some <laughs> of the best performances in Unforgotten. So sad. So glad they're bringing it back for season five. Not to spoil it in case anyone still hasn't watched it, but the season finale, almost you could end the season there, but they're bringing it back and mm. um, they're going to you know, bring a new di- dimension to the story. So yes. I just to say that, Unforgotten fans, you can get seasons one to three on Netflix and I think season four is still available on ITV Hub for the foreseeable, but I'm sure in a matter of time that'll go across to Netflix as well. Yeah. Uh, also finished Love, Victor on Disney+. Plus. Finished watching it and I texted a couple of friends at the time saying, no, you're crying. And they were like, no, you're crying. <laughs> uh, it's quite a sad, emotional, uh, but it's really good. I can't wait to see where season two comes. It's not, uh, I, I think I'm right in saying this. I, I haven't really checked my Disney Plus this week. It's not like Solar Opposites. So it's not straight into season two, is it, Dave? It's I don't think be- so, no. Not uh, with that. So we're going to be waiting for that. And then I absolutely binged last week on a bit of my commute, Frank of Ireland, uh, which is the Gleeson brothers, Donald and Brian, comedy on all four. It just it dropped a couple of weeks ago and I some people were talking about it and I started watching it and it's ridiculous. Slapstick, out of this world, silly humour. Reminds me a lot of Father Ted style. Right. Comedy. But the really nice thing that I liked as the resident film geek is they interweave film references through each episode <laughs> and it's done in a really comedic way and I absolutely loved it. The, the second one's based on Misery. Uh, then you've got <laughs> another one based on 12 Angry Men and it, it's just so clever and then at the in the final episode, all available in all four as I say, the final episode, Brendan Gleeson makes an appearance as well um, and it, I just, I think people would probably miss it. Um, it's got a couple of reviews in The Guardian and on some press and some people don't like it for its out there ridiculous humour but you know they've gone out there to make a fun comedy got some pastiche and like sort of honouring sort of the film style but in a really silly comedy way and so mm. if you want a bit of light hearted six episodes all of them about 20 to 25 minutes it's also got the fantastic Sarah Green who is in the Dublin Murders um, right. she so appears in it as well as a love interest so definitely those are my recommendations of series I've uh, finished yeah. um, I'm still watching The Flight Attendant and a lot of my procedurals so I won't talk about those at the moment but it's time to choose my film of the month for April uh, it's been quite a quiet month for me I, there are still loads on my list but starting a new job in the middle of the month meant I didn't get around to watching lots so I'm actually going to choose one that was released in March but I'm going to choose the Justice League Snyder Cut which I watched just inside the first couple of weeks of April and I know that I've, I've heard you talking about it on previous episodes Dave I just want to sort of say from my perspective I absolutely uh, loved the this recut, this retelling, it, it made a lot more sense from all of yeah. the drama we got from the original release. So uh, so forgettable, so disappointing when the original movie came out. And although this was long, and I, honestly, when I watched it, I got to about three hours before I looked at my watch <laughs> when I was feeling the time. But I thought it really showed where Snyder wanted to go. Yeah. And to give us that story about Cyborg, to me, I felt so sorry for the actor to see what his final part had turned into considering this storyline here was just absolutely opened my eyes to some of the horrendous stuff that clearly must have gone on yeah I loved how they fleshed out the Flash a little bit more you know I'm a big fan of um, Arrow versus Flash I've always loved the actor who who plays Barry Allen on that one I was a bit anti Ezra Miller but I felt like this brought it out a little bit gave that Mm. little bit of comedy touch 
And I dare say this, that DC may be turning a little bit of a corner in terms of well, getting y- themselves back on track. Yeah, well, they would be if they would be prepared to actually stick with the Snyder stuff. But uh, by yeah. the sounds of it, they're not going to do that. They've kind of yeah. gone in, in wildly different directions. I do like the look of the new Batman movie. I think that yeah. could be quite interesting. But again, it's it seems to be that they've now abandoned any idea of doing any form of connected universe and they're going to be very disparate sort of things. I think that's probably the brave thing to do so they're not continuously compared to the MCU. Maybe. You know, if we think about some of the ones that have, since they've sort of halted the train a little bit on throwing out all these connected ones and we've had a really good Shazam we had quite um, a good Harley Quinn we've got a good Suicide Squad coming up in terms Mm. of the trailer we're seeing we've now had the Snyder Cut I think they're repairing a lot of hurt DC fans who have always stuck by them and were the Dark Knight hardcore fans during the Nolan era and then they just felt like the way was lost a little bit as they tried to compete against this man MCU Mm. and now they've sort of stopped and said you know they're still not making great decisions we all know that if they really honoured Snyder and they took the the chance on another Man of Steel and brought Henry Cavill back they could be winning but at the moment they're not rushing out franchise after franchise after franchise to try and keep up with the MCU anymore they're taking Mm. a little bit more of a a careful journey and you know I may regret my words but I'm, I'm looking forward to the future of DC movies because they're not having to compete against MCU as much anymore and that they're being quite sensible and let's make quality films rather than the quantity yeah well maybe I mean that may be the case I know there are a lot of people pushing for people to restore the Snyderverse I I, I'm sort of I don't know I I do like where they're going with the Batman I think that looks like it's going to be quite good I think as long as they're prepared to not keep the characters separate I'm sort of okay with that I don't mind if it's not really a connected universe as such as long as you know if you want superman to pop up in a batman thing he can you know Mm. even if it's a different actor playing him as long as they're not overly precious with the characters i think that's always been the problem of they've treated every superhero to living in their own bubble and i'm sort of okay if they want to bring a superman into the batman universe but it doesn't necessarily need to be henry cavill i mean henry cavill's great in that role and if it is wonderful but I don't mm. think it necessarily needs to be that. You could cast the younger actor to do that or you could cast somebody else. Yeah. So I think it's the preciousness that they've always had of like, no, Batman exists in this particular world and nobody else exists with him. I always felt that was a bit of a mistake. Whereas if they're prepared to be a little looser with things where, you know, Batman can exist in the same universe as Superman and Wonder Woman and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't necessarily need to be the Snyderverse. It can be something else if they want to do that. But and if that grows naturally into something bigger great if it doesn't that's fine but I, yeah. as long as they're not as preferenced with the characters I'm sort of okay with where they go with it so yeah that's my movie of April and um, hopefully a little bit more movie watching in May I want to try and I want to try and see some of these um, Oscar nominees when they start getting released over in, in England as well yeah. so um, yeah that's what I've been watching uh, Dave what have you been watching well speaking of the MCU Falcon Winter Soldier came to an end yes. this week are you up to date on yes I watched that just before Line of Duty interestingly I, I went round to my bubble's house and we finished off uh, that that before Line of Duty so yes what did you think of the series um, it got better in episode 5 mm-hmm. um, and then episode 6 I was just a bit disappointed in how they resolved one character which I've always had a soft spot for and like they had the um, the scene at the end they had the end credit yes. scene and I was just a bit disappointed in that I loved that we saw Julia Lewis-Dravis um, yes she was fantastic yeah fantastic two very small scenes but that just excited me and that got me onto the history and reading a little bit about that character as well so that was exciting about where it can go with that but yeah it turned a corner episode five but i think it uh i lost it a little bit during episode six again in my mind it wasn't their grandest piece of work i think it still should have just probably been sort of like a movie style release um Mm. and put them all together uh it didn't give me the adrenaline punch of wandavision 
television or, you know, compare that to Line of Duty, which I watched later that night. It just yeah. wasn't getting there for me. So, yeah, I think that is a fairly fair assessment. Uh, I did a podcast on Entertainment Talk with Matt and Robert about this. So if you want to go into kind of details and spoilers and stuff, you can go and listen to that. But I'm pretty much in agreement, though, generally of the overall tone of it, I, I think feels like a movie that's chopped up into bits. Um, it's not a bad piece of work by any stretch of the imagination. I think it, it's, you know, it's a solid piece of MCU. It resolves itself for most characters, apart from the aforementioned one, which we won't give away, but that that one, yes. I, yeah. I think with most characters, they ended up kind of where we expected them to end up. But overall, it just didn't quite grasp me the same way as something like uh, Division did. Mm-hmm. I'm far more interested into the kind of weirdness and strangeness that you got with Division, and hopefully with Loki, which, you know, it looks like that's going to be kind of a nice, wacky series. So I'm sort of a bit more interested in that than I am with the straight up kind of soldiering stuff. You know, this is fine and it gets to a point that they need to get to. It's enjoyable enough and it deals a lot with the snap and you see a lot more of what happened when people just kind of disappeared and stuff, which is interesting. And they've kind of skated over that a bit in WandaVision, partly because this was supposed to be the first thing that came out before WandaVision and then because of COVID, everything got moved around. So mm. it sort of feels, you know, you feel that a bit more with this. But I'm interested to see where they go moving forward with it. Uh, there is a fourth Captain America movie in development, they have said. So that will obviously have a different Captain America. I don't think that's yeah. really giving too much away. There is that fourth movie in development and it's been done by the people that wrote Falcon and Winter Soldier. So we'll see how they handle it in a movie format and what that actually is. I do hope that we see a bit more more of Julia Louise Dreyfus character moving forward in the MCU because she was just seen stealing the entire time she was on yeah. screen and, and was wonderful and just brilliant. So I would really love to see more of her throughout this as well. Finale of that also had the finale of For All Mankind as well, which is the Apple TV series. Brilliant once again. It's so compelling, that show. Uh, this is the alt history drama. It's from Ronald D. Moore, who did Battlestar Galactica. This is set on Earth and starts off in the first season with the basic premise of what if the Russians beat America to the moon? And that is where they start off from. And essentially that one event extends the space race. It speeds up development and pushes things in a slightly different direction because once the Russians have got to the moon first, it then becomes a a race of, okay, well, who can get the first moon base? And then, of course, Russia wants a moon base if America gets a moon base so you end up with permanent settlements on the moon and the second season continues that going into the first season sort of you know uh, 70s the second season's 80s the third season as it becomes fairly apparent will be in the 90s and looks like it's probably going to involve Mars as well I just really like what they've done with that it's well written compelling drama this sort of alt history idea of how one event can change things. I love the little subtle references they throw in throughout, you know, like Ronald Reagan is president as he was in the 80s, but there's little things like John Lennon is still alive and the Challenger shuttle didn't blow up because they found the fault beforehand, you know. So there's little things like that that they sort of throw in, which just make it interesting having lived through that period, just just knowing the sort of differences and stuff. So I'm really interested to see what they do with the 90s season in season three, which presumably will be out next year at some point that is well 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 worth going to watch uh, it's on apple tv interestingly if you're having problems getting hold of apple tv because the app is a pain to get hold of because you've either got to have an apple device of some description or you've got to have an apple tv box or you can get it on the roku stick as well looks to be some talks with sky going on at the moment for it to be added as an app onto the sky q box which would be great because it's a pain at the moment because I have a Roku stick when the only thing I use the Roku stick for is Apple TV because that's the only place I can get it. So, uh, you know, I can run Netflix and I can run Amazon Prime through the Sky Q. So uh, I will be quite 
happy if that gets added to there. And it also hopefully will bring a wider audience if that gets added to there as well, because it is, you know, it's got some great shows on it as Apple TV. Um, Mm. And they are sort of limited. I mean, there aren't that many things that you can get on there, but the shows, there's sort of five or six really, really high quality, decent sort of Emmy winning shows on there that are well, well worth watching and deserve a much wider audience. I'm assuming you don't have access to any of this. No, I've got a grand plan that um, this summer I need to replace one of my devices, either my phone or iPad. So my plan was to get it so that this summer when I'm on my break, I could possibly catch up on things like The Morning Show and Servant, which are the ones I've been looking forward to, and Central Park. I've heard great things about as well. But yeah, I have been not... uh, I decided when I get it, I want to try the free trial that you get with the device first to see if I... Before I commit to spending any money on it. I think if you actually buy a new Apple device, so if you buy a new iPad or um, anything that you're like a phone or something like that, that will run Apple TV. I think they were certainly were giving a year free with Mm. the device. So if you buy a new iPad or a new iPhone or something like that, then or an iMac or anything that will run it, they were giving it away free. Presumably, if it's coming to SkyQ, it'll also come to the Now TV box as well. Or the Now box, sorry. It's not Now TV anymore because they (laughs) stupidly changed their name. It's uh, the Now Streaming Service. So presumably, it will come to the Now box as well if it's coming to SkyQ. And given that the Now box is basically a Rocky box, there's no reason why it shouldn't. So a few other things that I watched this week. Uh, first episode of Shadow and Bone, which is this new Netflix series based on the Grishaverse. Really enjoyed the first episode of that. I don't know the books at all. I know they're massively popular with a certain group of audience. So uh, people were very, very much looking forward for this to come out. I've not really read any reviews, so I don't know what the, the sort of reviews have been in terms of fans of, of the genre already. But uh, reminds me a little bit of Carnival Row. It has that that uh, Amazon series. Did you? I don't know whether you saw that. But no, I didn't. I I've been very up on this because a very good friend of mine's actually in Shadow and Bone. Oh really? Um, yes. He has been since about December. Has been on the promo for it, and when he knew the release date, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but it's obviously on my to watch list. Um, he appears in three episodes from the fourth one, I think. Right. Um, and he's been posting loads all over his Instagram. And yeah, so when many years ago when I was teaching drama, he was one of my students. So ah. I did not take credit for it, Dave, but um, <laughs> he has promoted it. So the actor's Andy Burst. So if anyone has been watching it or or does watch it, he is starring in episodes three onwards. In, but I, I, he put on his Instagram, he binged it all in one day on the 26th with all of his castmates. Wow. Uh, they did like a live, sh- not stream, but they, I, I think there's a way that they can all watch it together while yes. uh, on Netflix. Yeah. Netflix party. I'm going to yeah, say there's something some like sort that. of Netflix party thing. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, they all the cast did that. He put on his Instagram. So um, yes, uh, I will be watching it. Obviously just didn't get a chance to even put, I knew he was on later episodes. So I was like, I'd have to get through three episodes before I saw him. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It is worth watching. I mean, I've only seen, I've seen about an episode and a half so far, so I haven't seen the whole thing, but I really enjoyed that first episode. The basic sort of setup for it is it is a kind of steampunky faux Victorian world. You know, it's it's that sort of thing, except obviously nothing like the normal world because there's magic and all that sort of stuff. It's a war-torn place which is plagued by this thing called the Shadow Fold, which is basically a large section of land which is in complete darkness, and it's this it's almost like a, a wall of darkness, which separates east from west in this country. And uh, it's full of these kind of dark carnivorous creatures that attack things that try and get through. It does have endpoints, but there are battles going on between various different factions at sort of endpoints. So, and it's quite big, so it's very difficult to get around. So sometimes the only way of kind of getting across uh, with any reliable amount of time is to go try and go straight through the middle. Uh, they have these uh, Grishas who are, are these sort of magic users. They can control various elements so there's one that controls darkness they can the main ones are sort of wind and fire what they don't have is one that can control light and uh, you're following this uh, little orphan um, who's a cartographer because they need cartographers to map out this sort of area she ends up going with the army to the front and uh, ends up going through the fold and sort of things play out from there whilst they're going through the fold so that's sort of where it starts with the first episode there is a great interesting mix of 
characters. There's got a bunch of criminals that are, have been kind of hired to go and get a thing out of the fold, but they they're not entirely sure what it is. So they've kind of putting a group together. So there's you you're following those guys a bit, and then you've you've got Alina, who's the cartographer, who's this young girl. You've got her friend, who is one of the army guys, because uh, there's this sort of big army that are parked on one side of the fold dealing with these battles and stuff. It's got a load of things going on, and I quite like the fact that it doesn't treat the audience like they're idiots. It's very much sort of, okay, keep up, here's the information. There's a lot of exposition in that first episode. They're doing it without doing it too much in a sort of basil exposition way of somebody sits down and explains everything. You're picking things up as you go through the story, and it's quite easy to sort of miss something if you look away for like two seconds. So there is a lot of explaining how the world is set up and what these people are and what the factions are and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of that going on. It's quite complex, but really interesting. And I can see why people are very into this kind of universe. So I'm looking forward to watching the rest of that. But uh, that Shadow and Bone, the whole first series, I think it's eight episodes, is out on Netflix right now. So you can go and uh, binge your way through that. The other thing I watched, which I watched the first episode of, is Leonardo, which is a new historical drama from Frank Spodnik, who is the guy that did Man in the High Castle, the Medici as well, which was another sort of historical thing. It stars Aidan Turner as Leonardo da Vinci. It's uh, produced and also stars Freddie Highmore as well from The Good Doctor. It opens with Leonardo being arrested for a murder and Freddie Highmore's character is playing this police detective that is going in to basically question him and trying to get out of him why he supposedly murdered this woman, which of course he denies doing. You then go back in time to see Leonardo in his early days when he's under the apprenticeship of this uh, master artist and how he kind of starts to become the person that we know is Leonardo da Vinci. What's quite interesting about the portrayal of it in this is a lot of the time when you see things about Leonardo da Vinci, he's he's portrayed as, as being incredibly arrogant or always on the top of his game and thinking about everything and, and being this incredible human being. And the way they've gone with it with this is quite interesting in that he's somewhat kind of nervous and he's an art geek, essentially. He's kind of withdrawn and not confident with women and doesn't really know how to speak to people. He's he's a kind of nerd. I rather like the way that they went with it, with that. It's, it's a very different sort of portrayal of him. And yes, he opens up and, you know, he's quite likable as a person, but he's not very good with people, you know? Uh, mm. He doesn't really kind of understand how people work, despite the fact that he spends all his day kind of watching them and that sort of thing. So it's really interesting. And I've only seen the opening episode of it, but uh, it, it's very different to a lot of the other sort of portrayals of Leonardo da Vinci that we've seen. So I'm really intrigued to see where they go with this. And uh, I will watch the rest of it. That's another eight episode series as well. And that's on Amazon Prime if you want to go and catch that one. The other thing which I can finally talk about is Intergalactic, which is this new British sci-fi coming to Sky One on the 30th of April. And uh, all episodes will drop at the same time. You can go and watch it there. I've seen the opening three episodes of it. Really, really loved it. It's a wonderful heist thing, basically. It From Julie Geary, who is the writer behind uh, things like Prisoner's Wives, Cuffs and Secret Diary of a Core Girl. It follows a young cop and galactic pilot called Ash Harper, who has a glittering career ripped out from under her when she's wrongly convicted of this treasonous crime. She's sentenced to exile on a prison planet, but uh, when she gets on board the prison ship, there is a mutiny and the prisoners escape and end up taking over the ship. And uh, unfortunately, Ash is the only one that has the ability to fly. So they end up having to sort of, even though they know she's a cop, they end up having to sort of keep her alive because it's the only person that ends up flying the ship. So they sort of go around the run across the galaxy. If you remember the old series Blake 7, which is many, many moons ago. I think I'm too young, Dave. (laughs) Yeah. um, There will be some people listening that probably know Blake 7 because it is a classic bit of British sci-fi. And I I would argue that this is probably the first spacefaring, full-blown British sci-fi that we've had since Blake 7. It's interesting because that was sort of about a bunch of criminals as well that sort of stole 
scholarship and went off traveling. There are definitely similarities. And uh, I actually did an interview with Julie Geary, which is a video interview. You can go and get it on the YouTube page and on the uh, website as well. That interview is up there. And she does talk about the fact that she loved that show as a kid. And yeah, there are, that is kind of a bit of a touchstone for the series as well. There's a great set of characters. Uh, Pamindo Nagra is in there, plays Ash's mother, who you'll know from things like Fortitude and ER and 13 Reasons Why. Craig Parkinson from Line of Duty, played yeah. Dot. Sharon Duncan Brewster, who's been in a bunch of different things. Thomas Turngoose from This Is England. Imogen Danes, who's great. Uh, Oliver Coopersmith, who is in a Tin Star, who plays this space pirate called Echo, who is kind of has the charm of Han Solo and the swagger of Jack Sparrow. He's like this really wonderful, lovable road character. He's brilliant at it. So it's got this really nice, interesting collection of decent actors in it. And the first three episodes are great. It's all landing on uh, Sky One and now on the 30th of April. Uh, there is also another podcast, which will be in your feed as well, which I did with the rest of the cast and crew. That was a bunch of roundtable interviews. So you can go and listen to that if you want to know a bit more about the show as well. I've tried to keep that as spoiler free as possible. There are a couple of little bits that they do mention in there, but generally it's relatively spoiler free. Nothing that's going to ruin your enjoyment of it anyway. That's Intergalactic and that's on 30th of April on Sky. Go and check that out when it comes out. So the other thing, of course, that's happened is the Oscars, which happened last night, which was a, a weird, weird year for the Oscars because I mean, we're not going to talk in a huge amount of detail about this because nobody really has seen half the movies that are in this yeah. because they either haven't been released or they were like in obscure places. Weirdly, not that many people knew about Mank, even though it had like 10 nominations. I think it walked away with two or three. That was on Netflix. Just it was a black and white thing and I don't think people kind of watched it. It was an odd ceremony. I haven't watched the whole thing. I've seen a few clips and bits and pieces. I saw Daniel Kaluuya's, who won for Best Supporting Actor for Judas and the Black Messiah. I did see his speech, which was wonderful, and uh, had his mum with her head in her hands at one point because he was so embarrassing. But yeah. uh, that was hilariously funny. The ceremony itself was produced by Stephen Sonderberg, I think, did the show. So it was sort of a bit weird. They knew the ratings were going to be low going into it. So they sort of said to the guy who's producing it, do what you like. If you want to change the format, if you want to move things around, do that. Because we know the ratings are going to be terrible for this year anyway, because people haven't seen off the movies and it's not the big star-studded thing. It was weird because it split across, like there was some at the BFI in London, there was some people in Paris, there was some people in like New York, I think, and, and LA where the main ceremony was. So it was sort of split up all over the place, which was a little mm. bit strange. Have you seen any bits and pieces of it? Cause- uh, yeah, so I, obviously I woke up this morning, I've got I'm quite an early riser at the moment with my new job, so I, I saw some of the reviews and it was quite a resounding, damp review. It, it just didn't work, yeah. apparently. And I, we can understand that. There are many factors. Not enough of the films are mainstream enough for us to be talking about them for this year. But also there were just a, a lot of problems with the ceremony and how it was going to work. And then they changed the order and so the order then left us on a really disappointing ending well, like yeah it, yeah it could have you know we all hoped i think a lot of us hoped that we would be this morning talking about chadwick boseman winning his posthumous oscar and i think the ceremony may have believed that as well but because of now there's no chance that any results get out early well yeah i mean yeah. because pricewaterhouse cooper who were the people that were basically to blame for the misannouncement a few years ago which was highly embarrassing they're very, very, very careful about who they tell who the winners are. And it sounds like they didn't tell the producers who was going to win the awards because I think everybody expected Chadwick Boseman to win for Best Actor. His widow was even in the audience in LA and, you know, obviously had a speech ready to be able to give for that. And everybody assumed that was going to happen. And then Anthony Hopkins won for a film called The Father. I mean, nothing against Anthony Hopkins. Absolutely deserved to win that. He's, uh, what, 83 and the old oldest winner of an Oscar apparently totally deserved to win however everybody expected it to end with Chadwick Boseman because they moved the best actor nomination rather than best film they put best actor last 
and Anthony Hopkins, who is kind of over award ceremonies at this point because he hasn't done the last couple of them, hadn't bothered going because he assumed quite rightly, I think, like everybody else, he wasn't going to win. So he ended up leaving a message, like put an Instagram post out this morning who gave tribute to Jasmine Boseman as well. But he was like, well, this was incredibly unexpected. and But he hadn't gone to the ceremony. So they ended on an award that didn't have anybody there to accept it. <laughs> and it ended all rather weirdly and abruptly, apparently. Uh, I haven't actually seen the, the ending thing of it. But uh, yes, apparently it was it was very strange how it all ended. And I do feel really sorry for Chadwick Boseman's widow because, I mean, what they wanted and, you know, the producers had kind of geared them towards this big kind of emotional ending of him getting the Oscar and that's how they go out. She'd give a speech and that would be it. And then it ends on Anthony Hopkins winning it, the one guy who isn't actually there, you know? Yeah. It's made me want to see some of these films, you know. I put Nomadland in my list. I know that Frances McDormand is an absolutely great actress and I do want to see Minari, which has got the Stephen Yoon film, yeah. um, and Mank. So I also want to see the documentary Marked Octopus Teacher. I think I've seen clips of it, but I haven't seen the whole thing. You know, that one best documentary and loads of people yeah. have been talking about that over the last year. So it's given me a list of what I want to go and see, but I hadn't seen any of them. So I just wasn't invested. As I saw the review this morning on my way to work, I was a bit, oh, oh, that's a bit sad that, you know, 2021 Oscars, it hasn't been able to boost the film industry, make everyone look forward good to go to the cinema again. I just think, um, yeah. yeah, maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, there were some, some good results out of it. I mean, uh, Chloe Zhao winning for Nomadland yeah. for Best Director, which is, you know, that was a history making start as well. I think only the second woman as well to ever win like Best Director Oscar, which is ridiculous in like 93 ceremonies. Mm. But um, fantastic that she won. And also, uh, next thing that she's making is The Eternals for Marvel. Uh. So they now have an Oscar winning director actually making one of the Marvel movies, which I'm sure they will like have great fun putting that on the title card. Father won adapted screenplay as well. Soul won for Best Animated Feature, which is a beautiful, beautiful film. If you've got Disney Plus and you've not watched Soul, go and watch it. It's, it's up there with some of the best Pixar movies that I think that's a really solid movie. My Octopus Teacher winning for uh, Best Documentary, which sounds like an interesting one. Uh, Fight For You winning for Best Song. Trent Reznor, Attica Ross and John Baptiste winning for Best Original Score for Soul. So, yeah, I mean, you know, generally just not massively inspiring because there's not that many things in there that people have actually seen. But, um, mm. yeah, I think the biggest shock to everybody, including the producers, was Anthony Hopkins winning Best Actor. Like I say, it's not like he doesn't deserve it, but oh, yeah, definitely um, not. But yeah. it's just not what anybody expected. Uh, Frances McDormand won Best Actress for Nomadland and Nomadland won Best Picture as well. Mm. That was, I think, ultimately probably the big winner, Nomadland, really. I do want to see Trial of Chicago 7, which I haven't watched yet, which I know he's got Netflix, isn't it? That one's kicking around. Yeah, on. yeah. I do want to sit down and watch that because that I love Aaron Sorkin and um, that will be one, I think, that I will go and watch. Judas and Black Messiah, there's getting a lot of good things said about it as well. I just, so yeah, I mean, that was the Oscars anyway. It was a weird year, uh, but uh, well, hopefully we're a bit more back to normal next year. And uh, Fingers crossed. And, and there will be a lot more things to choose from because there will actually be things released in the cinema. Yeah, it'll be flooded next year. You imagine the number of the films we're going to get when it all starts reopening again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. 
We start off the TV news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, no actual cancellations this week. Obviously, we are heading into the traditional Friday night bloodbath period where uh, the networks start to cancel things. If they go back to what they usually do, which is uh, they have a bunch of upfronts which are, are running from sort of the week of the 17th through to the sort of end of May, um, they're spread out a little bit more. But that's when all the upfronts are, which is when they start announcing what their new shows are that means that if they do what they traditionally do and start to hatch it down the shows it's either going to be the 7th or the 14th where we start to get like certainly the 14th i would think at the latest is going to be when we start to discover exactly what shows are going to be coming back and what's going to be canned looking through the list of things there's a lot of shows across some of the networks but nothing that's really come over here yet in terms of things that started last season there are some renewals that they've announced this week NCIS Los Angeles I think a surprise to no one has got renewed for a 13th season particularly as they'd already cancelled NCIS New Orleans so there was no way they were going to cancel Los Angeles as well in the same year that is uh, coming back for a 13th season they did also announce NCIS Hawaii has been picked up to series which is the new spin-off which is the first time they've actually not done it as a backdoor pilot it is actually going to come in completely separate completely fresh obviously there will be some connection to the rest of the universe but uh, it is going to be a new show obviously based in Hawaii uh, interestingly it'll be the first time they've had a female agent in charge of uh, the uh, NCIS so it's a woman called Jane Tennant is the character's name she's going to be the special agent in charge of NCIS Pearl Harbor who along with her team balance duty to family and country investigates high stakes crimes involving military personnel national security and the mysteries of the island itself so i mean apart from the island bit basically every other ncis series pretty much but happens to be in hawaii this time around do you think that's a little bit too close to the bone uh, a lovely helen mirren's character in prime suspect it's as close as possible as you can jane Tennant. well yes quite possibly um <laughs> I, they they did say that that name may change so we'll see <laughs> Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the people behind the new series are the exact producer and showrunner of uh, New Orleans. So that's Christopher Slyber and uh, Jan Nash and Matt Bosnack, who is one of the writer producers on SEAL Team. Those are three of the three people that are doing it, which I mean, makes sense given that New Orleans is just being canned after seven seasons. So uh, that will be going. I mean, I don't really watch any of the NCISs, but I mean, I'm up for one set in Hawaii. Uh, you know, I kind of miss Hawaii. 5.0 it will be interesting and they are part of the same universe so you could maybe drag some of those characters across as well <laughs> uh, and I know some of them have popped up in Magnum because that's part of the same universe so all interconnected the big big universes that we have in the procedural worlds it's great isn't it yeah yeah I mean they're all part of that sort of NCIS CBS procedural verse so sort of you know they connected all those shows together we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens with that and uh, obviously we don't know where that'll land in the UK. It could end up on Sky. It could end up on Fox. Those, I think, are probably the most likely places because uh, Fox used to run New Orleans and they run the main NCIS, but Los Angeles runs on Sky. So we'll see. That is the sort of latest renewal from CBS. They've already renewed the Equalizer, which hasn't made it over here yet. Uh, FBI for season four, FBI Most Wanted for season three. Bob Hart's a showbler who uh, lands a third season. The name Neighborhood, uh, Young Sheldon, which got a three-season renewal, so they're all back. The ones that are, we're a little bit concerned about, mainly the one that airs over here, I think, is SEAL Team, because we don't know either way whether that's going to get renewed or not. The fact that one of the writer-producers is now moved across onto NCIS Hawaii is slightly concerning, and David Baranis has been posting things about sort of, hey, renew the show CBS, given he's an exec producer on the series that that doesn't necessarily bode particularly well. I, I do hope they pick that back up again, even if it's just for a final season, because I'd hate them just to drop that and not conclude whatever stories they've got running, because I do really like that show. That would be a shame if that goes, but, you know, we'll see where it goes with that. 
The other renewal was uh, Hudson and Rex, which has been renewed for a fourth season, which is about a, a man and his dog solving crime. <laughs> so uh, I know there's a lot of love out there. It's a Canadian series. There's a lot of love out for there for that. It runs on Alibi, that does. So uh, there's a lot of people seem to really like that show. In terms of pickups and uh, other little bits of information, production has wrapped on Hawkeye. So uh, that is the new Disney Plus series. They've finished production on that. We don't know exactly when that's dropping. I think it's supposed to be later this year, but uh, that is uh, one of the many, many Marvel series that are coming along. So that's production wrapped on that. Devils has begun production on a second season. That's the Sky Financial drama. I haven't actually watched the first season of that. I've got it stored up on my box and just haven't got around to watching it yet, but they've started a second season of that. Netflix have announced vague return dates for three shows. Uh, The Witcher, Cobra Kai and You are all set to return in what they're calling fourth quarter of uh, 2021. So some point towards the end of the year, bearing in mind that I think Cobra Kai aired the new season in very early January and You and The Witcher both aired in December. So Mm. there's not really a huge amount of new information there. We kind of knew they were going to come towards the end of the year, but they have confirmed that all three of those have got their new seasons coming at the end of the year i still haven't caught up with the last season of you i need to go and watch the rest of that that's the one i'm looking forward to out of those three <laughs> yeah uh, which are i'm looking forward to i think most out of that i need to go and catch up on cobra kai as well because i did really enjoy the first season of that and then didn't get around to watching the others so uh, there's a few shows i need to catch up on right now house of the dragon which is the game of thrones prequel is in production finally after various delays due to covid that is now running and uh, they posted a photo of the table read with everybody socially distant obviously that is going to debut in 2022 they have said so that's coming next year but they are starting production on that and uh, interesting little bit of star trek news michael dawn posted a slightly cryptic message on twitter saying that he'd been called back to action so they were seeing wharf again soon we don't know what that's going to be in whether that means he's going to be popping up in the second season of picard or whether it's something that you know he may be popping up in lower decks he may pop up in both we don't know it looks like Worf is going to return to screen so uh, that's great Michael Dawn's wonderful and uh, I would be very happy to see him back I hope it's Picard I suspect it probably is that we're going to see him in but that's awesome news in terms of other news stories uh, Netflix have announced the cast for a new show called Heartstopper which is based on a young adult graphic novel by Alice Osman they uh, did a fairly extensive search for the cast of this uh, Kit Connor and newcomer John Locke have been cast to play the leading roles followed an open casting call of 10,000 people Connor has been in Rocket Man and His Dark Materials he's playing Nick Nelson who is a popular year 11 student with a gentle demeanour who befriends Charlie Spring played by Locke a highly strung and openly gay overthinker in the year below as their friendship blossoms both start to wonder could there be something more I don't know the graphic novels I don't know whether these are anything you've come across particularly it seems to be in that sort of love victor kind of vein i guess it's it's obviously a uk because of the way it's written year 11 Uh, you assume Um, so yes yeah i'm now thinking it's bringing memories that it's appeared on my social media feeds at some point right um about casting but maybe that it's just all combining together at the end of love victor i think they were trying to say a uk similar version to love victor but for the uk right okay it was originally launched as a web comic on tumblr and it masked this extraordinary following she's since published it as uh, three book volumes with a fourth coming out this may it was described by the gay times as the queer graphic novel we wish we had in high school so (laughs) that will be filming summer 2021 in the uk so uh, it is a uk based show don't know when it's actually going to land but i mean if it's summer that's probably early next year before it releases i would think but um, we'll have to wait and see so that's one to look out for but that's called Heartstopper that they've announced a cast for a thing called Show Trial which is a new drama from the producers of Line of Duty World Productions who are the people behind Line of Duty Bodyguard 
It's from writer Ben Richards, who wrote on things like The Tunnel, Strike and Cobra. So decent writer behind it. When Talthia Campbell, an estranged daughter of a wealthy property developer, is charged with a conspiracy to murder fellow student Hannah Ellis, the trial that follows places the victim and the accused and their families in the eye of a media storm. Into that storm enters Cleo Roberts, a duty solicitor on the night of the arrest, refusing her father's help. Talitha wants Cleo to lead her defence against prosecutions, weaponising her gender as well as her social privilege against her. From arrest to verdict, Cleo and defence vie with the prosecution to convince us of the truth. Damaged scapegoat or cold-blooded killer? That sounds like it could be quite a good legal drama. It does sound really exciting. And I, when I saw this, I like a couple of the cast I really like. Sharon D. Clark's fantastic. Obviously, was in Doctor Who, um, was Graham's partner when um, Jodie took over. Right. Um, and also Lolita Chakrabarti. Um, she's also a writer and actress, but she's the wife of Adrian Lester. Oh, um, right. That's uh, that's my little fact about Lolita Chakrabarti. She's a really good actress as well. So, yeah, I saw this and I was uh, quite excited by it. I kind of like sort of British legal dramas. I used to, I remembered the um, Law and Order UK that used to be on. It was really good. Um, and they got rid of that. And I, I do like how we do things a little bit less dramatic than the US court cases. So, yeah, I'd definitely be tuning in for this. Yeah, I, I do find this really kind of interesting it sounds it's called show trial it sounds really good uh tracy alfature who was in uh quantico and trentstone and the originals uh your favorite actor james frayne <laughs> pops up in this as well star trek yes uh star yeah. trek discovery uh gotham as well he was in james frayne is in there and you've got uh sinead keenan who was in little blue blue and um, three families celine buckens a warrior and bridgerton keir logan who was in Strike and uh, Alias Grace and Game of Thrones as well. So uh, interesting cast, I think. Good writer behind it. I mean, Ben Richards, uh, I really liked Strike. I thought that was great. Uh, Cobra, I thought was good as well. So uh, it's a five episode hour long series produced by World Productions, say the people behind Line of Duty and Bodyguard. It's going to be set around Bristol. Um, says it explores how prejudice politics and the media distort the legal process in a timely legal drama full of dark humour. So uh, it's all not going to be all serious by the sounds of it, which is nice as well. Yeah, that'll be one to look out for. It's coming to the BBC. It's called Show Trial. And uh, lastly, How I Met Your Father has finally found a home after years and years in development hell. It is coming to Hulu. They've finally decided it's going to have Hilary Duff as the lead. Obviously, this is kind of a spin-off, probably more of a reboot of How I Met Your Mother. Uh, mm. It's going to be How I Met Your Father. It's an idea that's been kicking around like since 2014. So, yeah. you know, um, it's been around for quite a while they've now decided that they're going to make a 10 episode series on hulu much like the original series begins in the near future with duff playing sophie a mother explaining to her son how she met his father the comedy catapults us back to the year 2021 where sophie and a close-knit group of friends are in the midst of figuring out who they are what they want out of life and how they fall in love in the aids of dating apps and limitless options that's the setup for it it is basically the same idea as the original show but with a female lead rather than a male lead. I mean, it's an ensemble cast anyway. At the moment, it doesn't look like there's any direct connection to the original. It would be nice if that they could be some connection to the original in this, but at the moment, it seems to be more of a reboot than it is a sort of spin-off as such. A new version of the show has been in development since 2014, where the original series creator, uh, Carter Bays and Craig Thomas, wrote a pilot for CBS. That was not picked up. Then in 2016, they made a second attempt which was from Isaac Apter and Elizabeth Berger who became unavailable due to another little show they were producing called This Is Us so uh, they ended up kind of having to ditch it and uh, then they went back to it, there was another attempt in 2017, that version was written by Alison Bennett who wrote You're the Worst but again that didn't get picked up, so this fourth try they actually went back to Isaac Apter and Elizabeth Berger who obviously you know, EPs of This Is Us so you know, they're decent mm. people to uh, be doing it 
they're going to be the show's creators, writers, and exec producers. Uh, Duff also exec produces alongside the original show creators as well. So the original guys are involved in there. It's same sort of mix of multi-camera and single-camera stuff, which is what they did for the original show. So it's going to have a similar look and feel to the original show as well. I only just recently started re-watching How About Your Mother's One Star when it came back. And I do remember them at the end of it when it was ending. They did try and get Kristin Milotti to do How I Met Your Father because obviously she in the final season becomes the one that Ted meets. And so they decide, I know they pitched it back then and it went nowhere. And I, because I used to watch it religiously with a friend who were like, oh, it could come back, but from the other way and we'd see how she met him. But I just think like, this is a good idea, but are we too late now? As it, as the time passed for our love for this, Mm. um, I wonder if they've also been waiting for Duff because she's been contracted to Younger since 2015. Right, yeah. And Younger's now announced it's ending. So she will wrap filming on Younger and move straight across to be the lead in this. I have this suspicion in the back of their mind that maybe they had like were waiting on her because she's exec producing maybe. it as well. Yeah. So maybe she was holding on to it and said, look, let me finish Younger and then I'll come across to you. And But I'll, I'll give it a watch. I like the idea. I would like the universe to have some sort of mix and like maybe she drinks in a similar bar or you know she meets Barney or something there's got to be yeah. some, some crossover that'll get us all watching and enjoying the nostalgia but yeah come on then give it to us let's see what it, if it lasts more than one season <laughs> yeah I mean um, it's on Hulu uh, the reason it's on Hulu whereas I think the original was on CBS this is on Hulu because it was made by 20th Century Fox who are now 20th Television it's Disney owned which is why it's now on Hulu which I think is possibly another reason why it's now got made because Disney have the rights to it and they've got a million places that they can put things like this. You know, it could have gone on to ABC or it could have gone on to Hulu, but they've decided to go with Hulu, which I think probably makes sense because it gives them a bit more freedom to be a bit more adult with some of the uh, humour in it as well. And the standout character, of course, from the original was Barney. I mean, Neil Patrick Harris was so brilliant in that. So good. And I do hope that even if he's not a regular character, they do have them meeting some of the older characters in there because you could have them dating them at some point. This is set in 2021 and that's sort of after the original series ended. So it's quite possible you could have some sort of crossover with them meeting those characters later on in life. I would hope that there is some crossover somewhere there, but we'll we'll have to wait and see with that. If it's on Hulu, we don't know for sure, but presumably it will go on to Star Internationally. They haven't really said yet, you know, but we're assuming that most of the Hulu shows if they're made and owned by Disney will go on to star internationally. I would expect it to show up there, but we'll have to wait and see. And we don't know when that's going to land as well. They've just announced that they're doing it. So mm-hmm. that's one to look out for. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> So, highlights for next week. We have The Goldbergs returning for its eighth season on E4. Somebody seems to have sobered up in E4's scheduling department because, like, they put Batwoman on. They've got The Goldbergs coming back. They seem to be kind of starting to schedule things again. So, uh, 29th of April at uh, 9pm, that is coming. I think they're opening with double episodes with that. I think they're doing two episodes a night. But uh, that's Goldbergs, that's season eight, uh, 29th of April on E4. And we'll see the the honour to Pops the actor obviously passed oh. earlier this year so they will see his final airing I know there's been a lot of stuff on Instagram from the cast um, over his passing earlier yeah. this year that we want to watch out for The Rookie returns also on the 29th of April at 9pm that's over on Sky Witness very much looking forward to that coming back for its third season I really really enjoyed that show this time with Alan Partridge he's back for a second season that's on BBC One that's on the 30th of April at 9pm that's Steve Coogan back as his alter ego on a new uh, new series as he uh, comes back presenting a kind of magazine type show. Intergalactic, as I mentioned earlier, that has all episodes coming to you. Uh, Sky One, Sky On Demand, and now that's on the 30th of April. I haven't got a time down for that. I think it's 9pm, but um, that'll be on Sky One, but all episodes are going to be on demand as well from the same time. Little Blast from the Past to Colony, Season 3, 2nd of May on Netflix. That's landing. That was the thing that starred Josh Holloway as an FBI agent, and it 
was Los Angeles had been taken over by aliens. Aliens had landed and kind of segmented the city off and the humans were sort of a repressed race. Sky One didn't air the third season, but it is now coming onto Netflix. So 2nd of May, that is apparently landing on Netflix. So if you want to get the third, and I think that was the final season of it as well. If you want to just finish off that run, that will be on Netflix on the 2nd of May. RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, that's coming on the 2nd of May as well. That's coming to BBC Three. So more Drag Race, but this time in New Zealand and hey. Australia. So uh, if you want more Drag Race, there you go. And uh, 4th of May, of course, Star Wars Day. They are releasing Star Wars The Bad Batch, which is the latest Dave Filoni series, new animated series that follows Clone Force 99 in the immediate aftermath of the Clone Wars. So same people that did the Clone Wars animated series and Rebels and uh, all that good stuff. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I think that's going to be really good. That's 4th of May. That's going to be a special airing date for that. It will then go out regularly on Fridays like everything else because God forbid you should release something on a day other than a flaming Friday. But (laughs) um, yeah, so Disney Plus Tuesday the 4th of May as a special Star Wars Day treat. They're releasing Star Wars The Bad Batch so go and check that out. If people want to uh, find you this week uh, or send you birthday wishes of course this week as well. (laughs) Yes, Uh, it's uh, over on Twitter at Grey the Geek. Yes, um, on the Friday the 30th of April it is my birthday so please do come and watch my balloon day on social media yes weirdly I don't know how this has happened but all the co-hosts uh, <laughs> with the exception of Matt because Matt's birthday was about midway through last month all the other co-hosts have their birthdays including me over this <laughs> next two week period so it is Daryl's birthday today we're recording this on the Monday Daryl's birthday today Grace is on Friday mine's on Sunday and then Bex's is uh, next Saturday. So happy birthday to everybody involved <laughs> on the <laughs> show. <laughs> to the bunch of Torians that all, do, all produce yeah, this. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know how that's happened, but yes, we're all within like the same two weeks. It's very, very weird. <laughs> um, so if you want to find Grey, go and find Grey over and create the geek and send him some birthday wishes on Friday. Uh, go and find him over there and chat with him on stuff. Uh, Bex, of course, you can find on uh, twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's B Y T E S. She's streaming daily and also various evenings. As I say, it's her birthday next week, so uh, I don't know if she's doing something on Saturday for that, but uh, next Saturday for that, but uh, go and check her out anyway. It's very, very funny and uh, always worth going to watch Bex. Matt, you can find over on entertainmenttalk.org. As I mentioned earlier, we did Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're doing uh, Breaking Bad Season 2 as well. We're doing together over there, and uh, he's got a bunch of other things going out, of course, as well, so uh, go and check him out for more podcasts and daryl uh, happy birthday for today you can find him on hollywoodnorthnews.net covers all the shows that you love which are shot up in canada and so that's all the superhero shows and sci-fi and uh, a whole bunch of other things go and find him over at hollywoodnorthnews.net for us you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook and facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.